Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the children did an awesome job today showing us some symbols of our salvation. And I especially love the part of the program where the Christmas tree was pulled down to reveal the cross. I love that part so much, and it's so important because really that shows us the entire reason for Christmas. Christ was born to die so that we would live. That's God's grace. Titus chapter 2 gives us some insight into God's grace in our lives. Titus 2, 11 through 14 says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Yes, we know the grace of God. We know that we have received something that we do not deserve, the forgiveness of our sin and the promise of eternal life. What we do deserve is a punishment fit for our sin, the sin that we inherited and our daily sin of thought, word, and deed. Our sin is a rebellion against the all-wise, all-seeing, and all-powerful God. His omnipresence places him at the scene of all of our misbehaviors. His omniscience makes him aware of every thought, word, and deed. But instead of pouring out his wrath upon us, God instead extends his grace toward us. He doesn't turn a blind eye to our sin, but he gives grace by giving himself. God executed his divine judgment, not on us, but upon himself. Already in the manger at Bethlehem, God's grace is appearing as Jesus born to be our substitute, born to die in our place. Such is God's grace. Jesus left the splendor of heaven and came down to earth with its scratchy hay and biting winds and smelly barns. But even more, he came to live as one of us. We are people who hurt, and we are people who hurt one another. We are people who sometimes demand that God, our creator, answer to us, rather than yielding to his good and gracious will. We are people who, at times, want God to be in our lives on our own terms, rather than be a part of all that we think, say, and do. But God felt sharing his love was worth all the inconvenience of Christmas, all the inconvenience of the cross. God felt that we were worth it as his precious creation. That's grace. That's grace, and it first appeared to us in person at Bethlehem. Now, what is the significance of that birth and the life that flowed, flowed and followed from it? Well, Titus 2 walks us through it. 
starts off by saying, grace has appeared. Again, grace is the freely given love of God. The one who has created galaxies beyond our ability to imagine has done something to make God's love known to us. Love came down at Christmas. God's grace appearing answers the most basic question that every person asks. What is the meaning of life? How does the world out there relate to me and how do I relate to it? The answer that we come up with to that basic question will do more than anything else to determine the shape of our lives. And the answer is not always an easy one to guess. Not easy because the world around us gives us mixed signals. People come up with a lot of different answers, and as a result, people live a lot of different kinds of lives. But Christians believe that in the coming of Jesus, God did something special to make us able to know that God loves us, and that God loves everybody, and that life is a good gift given to us by God. And God answers all the questions of life with his Christmas grace. Are you worried about the future? Jesus is born to know your future and to walk there with you. He is born to pay the debt of all your sin with his holy, precious blood. Do you dread death? This child, Jesus, is born to overcome the assaults of the devil. He is born to die on the cross. He is born to die the death that you and I deserve to save us and give us life. Do you feel the panic that stems from guilt or fear of the grave? Again, don't be afraid. Jesus is born to wipe away your guilt, to conquer the grave through his suffering, death, and resurrection for you. Does the faithless life of a loved one cause you sorrow? This child is born to bring faith to the faithless and to answer the prayers of his people. Does a diagnosis that you didn't expect cause you sadness? This child, Jesus, is born to bring health and healing of body, soul, and spirit. He doesn't leave us to face sickness and despair all alone, but he promises to be right there with us. And not only that, but he promises to always be at work for our very best. Does the death of a loved one cause you grief? This child, Jesus, is born to go all the way through death and the grave to provide us with certain hope of eternal life for all who believe in him. Because of Jesus, death no longer has the victory. Death no longer has its sting. Victory is found in our newborn king. You see, in becoming man, God made it possible for man to see God. And what God did for us, it makes sense. It makes sense that Jesus would be our sacrifice because a perfect sacrifice was needed to justify man's presence before God. It makes sense that God would use the law to tutor Israel in their, on their need for grace. It makes sense that Jesus would be our high priest. What God did for us makes sense. However, why God did it does not. But that's grace. God is made earth's mockery to save his children. 
How absurd to think that such nobility would go to such poverty to share such a treasure with such thankless souls. But he did. He did. Grace appeared in person. The only thing more absurd than the gift of Jesus is our stubborn unwillingness to receive it or to have our lives changed by it. That's why the text goes on to say, grace has appeared bringing salvation. Salvation means being liberated for a life of freedom and purpose and love. Salvation means even more than having your guilt atoned for so that you can go to heaven after you die, as wonderful as that is. It also means being set free from the power of fear and greed and hate and indifference and all the other things that can mess up our lives and generate all that guilt that we feel. So brothers and sisters in Christ, it is important for you to know that the birth of that little baby and the life, work, death, and resurrection of Jesus that followed from it are for you. And they are for each and every one of you in a most personal way. Our text goes on, the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all. What God did over 2,000 years ago, he is still doing today. Our greatest source of joy is the forgiveness of our sin. You see, grace didn't appear in the person of Jesus for a joyride through his creation. He became flesh for our forgiveness. He is born with a face to be struck, with a back to be scourged, with hands and feet to be nailed. Jesus became became man to take on our sin and to pay the price for all of it, every last bit. That's grace. By the grace of God, you have eternal life. Grace appeared in person so that our lives would be changed not only now, but for all of eternity. The grace that appeared on that first Christmas morning is the same grace that is active in our lives each and every day. And that is why Christmas matters. We celebrate the fact that grace appeared to save us and the world. Jesus was content with a stable when he was born so that we would have a mansion when we die. So when we gaze into the manger on our Christmas celebration, also gaze into the surprise of God's grace. And really, when you look at God's word, it's full of the surprise of God's grace. Whether it's the day's wage paid to the workers who had only worked for an hour, or the father scrubbing the pig smell off his son who was dead to him but is now alive, or the shepherd and the woman throwing a party because the lost had been found, It's the God of the universe stepping from heaven to Bethlehem and ultimately to Calvary to claim you as his own for eternity. That's what makes our celebration of Christmas so special. Christ is at the center of Christmas because grace appeared in person so that we would recognize the truth that God is with us, that God is for us, And that God has worked out our salvation entirely as a gift of his grace. Grace has appeared, bringing salvation to all. 
and it teaches. It teaches us to live lives through which others can experience the grace of God in their lives as well. Grace teaches us that we want nothing to do with ungodliness, with worldly lusts, and all the things of sin that, lead, that led to Jesus' birth to be our Savior. Grace teaches us to live soberly, to live righteously, and to live right in this present age so that others would know that difference that God's grace makes in our lives. And that's important because the world in which we live will attempt to reject this grace. Sinful man will do anything to make Jesus anything but the Son of God made man for our salvation. Because it's okay with the world if Jesus is just some nice guy, a symbol of charity and how good man can be. Because you see, if Jesus shows us that mankind can be good, then we don't have to admit how sinful and how alien to God we really are. Others would be okay with saying Jesus is a child of God, but no different than you or me. Therefore, it's up to us to follow in his footsteps and be good enough to earn eternal life. That's not how it works either. Mankind is even okay with saying Jesus is divine as long as he wasn't also man. That way, there's no real comparison. There's no real close connection between God and man, so we're just left to do whatever we want, whatever we feel is right. In all these cases, if you reject the grace of God, why would you ever celebrate it? You might as well then turn Christmas into a commercial holiday filled with parties, gifts, ribbons, and things. But here's the deal. Parties end. The gifts, they all will wear out. But the grace of God, it appears to us every single day, and it continues to teach us how God has shaped our lives. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that by the grace of God, we are who we are. Christmas is filled with the grace of God who freely loved us, loved us while we were still sinners. So God has given us this Christmas so that we would share his grace with others. Grace is that wonderful free gift. It's a gift that some people have a hard time believing. We live in a world where if someone wants to give us something for free, we think right away, what's the catch? But with God, there is no catch. His gift is full and free, and it's for everybody. And so we're given this privilege of helping others experience the grace of God in person. And we do that through the forgiveness love, peace, compassion, and kindness, and care that we give to one another simply because we have first received those wonderful gifts from God himself. Certainly in Titus chapter 2, Paul has put a lot of meaning into just a few verses. But all of that is part of what follows from a precious, simple event that we celebrate on Christmas. With shepherds and wise men, we gather together around the manger and gaze at a newborn baby. And we know that there is something special about this baby, something special about the birth of Jesus. For grace has appeared in the person of Jesus to save us, to save the world, and to teach us about his grace in our daily lives. And in teaching, he gives us the greatest news of all. That grace has appeared to us in person. 
God's grace has appeared to you. What a life-changing truth to live in and to share, not only at Christmas, but every single day. Amen.